After learning that she was pregnant, Mary traveled to her much older cousin, Elizabeth's home. As they greet one another, Mary lifts a song of praise to God, saying, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowly state of his servant. Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Indeed, his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has come to the aid of his child, Israel, in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham, and to his descendants forever. Let us pray. Holy are you, O God. Wondrous is your name and your grace and your power in all the world. And yet you still come to be with us in this place and in all the places from which we are gathered. For this gift, your presence with us, for drawing near and calling us into your life, we thank you and pray that you would open us to receive your word and that because or in spite of me today, your people might be strengthened for the journey. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. When I was in sixth grade, my United Methodist Church had what was called a music drama week in the summer. And one summer, we did the musical called Hey Joshua. It was the story of Joshua and Jericho. And I was among the elder students in the production and got uh, a special part. I had a solo. And my role was as the prostitute. <laughs> Rahab, I was Rahab, who gave shelter to Joshua's spies. I was very excited because I got to wear a lot of makeup. <laughs> I still remember the lyrics to the solo I sang, and it had come to my mind as we'd been doing this series on wonder, because the song began with the words, I wonder. I wonder, I wonder, a God so mighty, a God so great, the earth and heavens God did create. God is so mighty, I am so small. Could he love me? Could he love me? The story of Rahab and Joshua and Jericho is complicated. But the thread 
that gets pulled through the story is that Rahab is included in the genealogy of Jesus, as recorded in the Gospel of Matthew. A woman who, in the world's eyes, would be the least likely to have a role in God's salvation history, is remembered as an ancestor of Jesus on his earthly father's side. And the woman who gave birth to Jesus had no grand genealogy, was not a person whom anyone would have singled out as special. There are no historical accounts of the details of Mary's life in Scripture or anywhere else. But God knew that she was the one who would be able to bear the Christ child and to bear witness to all that transpired in her son's life. The story of God's liberating love has always included unlikely suspects and salvation that comes in humble and unlikely ways. The childless Sarah and Abraham become the unlikely parents of a nation. The unlikely chosen people, little Israel, were led out of slavery by an unlikely stuttering prophet named Moses. Hannah and Esther and Ruth, all unlikely agents of salvation, the unlikely youngest son, David, becoming a king. This is the way that God moves around in the world, upending expectations and bringing redemption in unimaginable ways and through unlikely people. In our first scripture today, the exiled Israelites are brought home by God's saving grace. They're brought through the wilderness and sheltered from harm. A way is made for them to return, to be restored, to rejoice after their suffering. And Mary, too, rejoices, for she knows that she is among those whom God from age to age draws into the story of saving love and grace. She rejoices because while God is mighty and she is small, God has showered love upon her. She is God's beloved child, worthy and able to give birth to Jesus, the one called Emmanuel. God is with us. Mary's song is the prophet's song from the beginning. It's the same song that Jesus learned from his mother Mary and lived. It's a joyful song giving thanks for how God consistently lifts up the lowly and fills the hungry with good things. This vision is often spoken of as a reversal, and in one sense, 
That is true. Those who are overlooked or oppressed are honored and cared for in the kingdom of God. But if we think of reversal as simply putting those who once had the boot upon their neck into the position of the boot wearer, then nothing has changed. I think about some conversations I've been privy to around immigration with folk who immigrated to the U.S. themselves. And in a number of these conversations, the folk who had come here from other places, maybe a long time ago, maybe more recently, have very little grace for newer immigrants. With each new wave, you see, there is opportunity to fear that those people will take something away from us and as a result for harm for those who are coming seeking freedom to be treated like dirt. Fear of losing something is so prevalent in our world. When Mary's song and her son's justice vision get emphasized, it can sometimes trigger fear or defensiveness in those who seem to be targeted by their words, those who are powerful and rich. Because in order for justice to be done, they'll need to lose something. The powerful and rich will need to, as Howard Thurman writes, and I quote, they'll need to put forth a redemptive effort to change the social, political, and economic arrangements in which They seem to find their basic security. And as history has shown, out of the powerful one's fear of losing money and power and comfort and status, change only tends to happen when pressure is applied by those who have their backs against the wall. But the voices of Mary, Jesus, and all the prophets not only cry out against injustice, but also point toward a vision where no one needs to live in fear. No one needs to live in fear. It occurred to me for the rich to go away empty isn't necessarily saying that anything got taken from them, but perhaps they simply came with their hands out like they should get more and they didn't get any more. But rather the hungry get filled and filled to overflowing. Perhaps in the kingdom of God, It means that when God's way is manifest in that space, the rich will learn and know the knowledge of God and therefore pour out their wealth in ways that help level the playing field and therefore leave with less than they came with. Maybe it's that. Whatever the interpretation Mary's song is good news for everyone. 
Isaiah prophesies, there's no need for fear when we journey in the way God makes for us because there will not be dangerous things there that want to devour us. There will be no lion there. There will be no ravenous beast. But the redeemed shall walk there. The redeemed, the redeemed from their suffering and poverty and those redeemed from their hatred, fear, and greed. Together they will walk in the way of the Lord, and there will be no danger, no need for fear. As Fred Kahn prays in his lyrics of the hymn that we sing here often for the healing of the nations, lead us forward into freedom, O God, from despair your world release that redeemed from war and hatred, all shall come and go in peace. Show us how, through care and goodness, hope, fear will die and hope increase. The fulfillment of the prophetic vision of Mary and Jesus will only happen when those with power and wealth care more about peace with justice than they care about their own security It'll only happen when those on the underside of history don't seek revenge or to climb up to the throne so that they can put the boot on who had their boot on them, but rather seek equity and care and goodness for all. The vision of Mary's song will only happen when the cycle of greed and violence and lust for power and revenge is finally broken. But in the meantime, in the meantime, God continues to lift up the lowly and to fill the hungry with good things. Whew. There are little glimmers of liberation and justice, legislation that protects interracial marriages, thanks be to God. Marriages of queer, queer people, thanks be to God. Organizers and movements rising up around the world to counter tyranny and oppression. Against all odds, their own bodies on the line. And as ever, there are people all around us all the time doing the things large and small that lift others up, that help move the needle toward a more gentle and just world, that bear witness to the love and grace of the kingdom, that honor and value each beloved child. Mary was just a young Jewish woman, just a person like you and like me, just a person living in this world, trying to be open and awake, and one who somehow knew that she was a beloved child of God and could say yes to God's message of new life and who then carried that promise within her, waiting and hoping and giving thanks. Like the people Israel, God makes a way through the wildernesses of our lives to help us find home. 
to help restore us to ourselves, to renew us. Like Mary, God draws near to us and places within each one of us the possibility of new life so that we might participate with God in God's work of mending and peace with justice in new ways in our lives and in our relationships with greater intention and strength. Throughout this Advent season, I've opened each of our services with this invitation from Howard Thurman, just the simple words, to center down. And I've been meditating on Thurman's meditation that he writes in his book, Meditations of the Heart. And as I was working with the texts that were so powerfully proclaimed in our presence today, I found these words of Thurman deeply resonant, perhaps slightly nuanced, so I'm going to invite you simply to go with it with me. But for me, it felt very, very resonant with the texts that we have been reflecting on today. And it's a good invitation for this Advent waiting season. Thurman writes, how good it is to center down, to sit quietly and see one's self pass by. The streets of our minds seethe with endless traffic. Our spirits resound with clashings, with noisy silences. While something deep within hungers and thirsts for the still moment and the resting lull. With full intensity, we seek, ere the quiet passes, a fresh sense of order in our living, a direction, a strong, sure purpose that will structure our confusion and bring meaning in our chaos. We look at ourselves in this waiting moment, the kinds of people we are. The questions persist. What are we doing with our lives? What are our motives that order our days? What is the end of our doings? Where are we trying to go? Where do we put the emphasis and where are our values focused? For what end do we make sacrifices? Where is my treasure, and what do I love most in life, or what do I hate most in life, and to what am I true? Over and over, questions beat in upon the waiting moment. As we listen, floating up through all the jangling echoes of our turbulence, there is a sound of another kind a deeper note which only the stillness of the heart 
makes clear. It moves directly to the core of our being. Our questions are answered. Our spirits refreshed. And we move back into the traffic of our daily round with the peace of the eternal in our step. How good it is to center down. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, at the core of our being as we center down and wait and wonder and ask and listen, a direction is given. We receive what we need to feel at home in our own lives. We are refreshed. We receive what we need to discern the next faithful steps, the ways God is at work in and around us, unlikely as it may seem. And we are reminded that we are beloved children of God who, like Mary, carry the promise of new life within us, waiting, hoping, and joyfully giving thanks for what is possible because of God's amazing grace and Emmanuel, God with us. As I move in the new year into a time of renewal, my prayer will be for myself and for you that together we seek the voice of the one who restores us to ourselves, that refreshes and renews, that sends us back into ministry and the world at the right time to do what is our work to do. If you haven't already seen it, I hope you will look for the letter that came yesterday to tell you more about the leave that I will be taking in 2023, and reach out to me if you have a question. I see this as a time of great renewal and strengthening for us together, and I will covet your prayers and promise that you will have mine. Thanks be to God for the good gifts of God's grace and mercy and presence with us through the Christ through the season, and through one another. Amen.